What's going on everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Dad's Game Podcast. This is Awesome Hazelnuts here as always. And welcome back. It is episode 61 of the Dad's Game Podcast. I can't believe how far we have gone. It's almost a year since I started this podcast. And I'll say that throughout my entire year of playing Legends of Runeterra, this season has to be my favourite. And unfortunately, we all know that all good things must come to an end. And even though the current meta is filled with tons of Nasus trash, tons and tons of Lissandra Trundle control, there's still light at the end of the tunnel. There are still some decks which are playable. Of course, we all know that when we just turn 8, Trundle Lissandra just goes on in their combo and we just lose the game instantly. But apart from that, every single matchup, every single game that we play, just seems to be way better than what it was in the previous season. A lot of new decks can be played, a lot of lineups can be insanely different from each other. As we see during the seasonal tournament, where not every single lineup is the same, but eventually everybody found out that the winning combination is always Trash Nasus together with TLC, because both those decks cover a lot of bases in which any other deck does not really have the opportunity to. You can throw in deep, you can throw in Zoe Aso to finish up your lineup, and you're pretty much good to go. And by the time this episode goes live, I'm pretty sure that every single season of Thomas will have ended, and I'd like to take this time to congratulate all the players who have qualified for the World Championships, and also like to shout out to every single person or every single player from our respective region who has won the, the, the seasonal tournament. It's not easy, definitely. And if you were to ask me whether I did tune in to watch the games, all I can say is that this is the first season where I didn't tune in to watch the games. Because, you know, some part of me feels that, yeah, if I had the LP, I would have made it today too. And so this time around, it really serves to me that I wouldn't be watching it because I'm not participating in it. I'll definitely be working harder next season to ensure that I'll be able to qualify for the World Championships. And that's probably the main reason why I'm even playing Legends Rune Terra in the first place. And you think of it, about a year ago is when the COVID-19 situation really materialized and the lockdowns really came in place. We suddenly see a lot of our civil liberties were taken away. We couldn't really travel, we couldn't really go out. In, fa- in fact, even if we wanted to go out, there are a lot of restrictions. We couldn't eat out in public. We had to bring our food home. We had to walk around in masks. And I'll say that this one year of Legends of Terra, along with the COVID-19 thing happening, really is very parallel. It's side by side. If COVID-19 didn't happen, I wouldn't be playing this game. I wouldn't even be having this podcast with you right now. And here's the magical thing. Around last year at this time, I was contemplating on starting my podcast. A lot of things were in place to make me not start my podcast, you know. There's always jitteries. Things that go on my head thinking, you know, if I start my podcast, who's going to listen? If I stop my this la 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 You get what I mean? There are a lot of... Uh, things that go through your mind when you want to start something new. And eventually, I just thought to myself, you know what? Forget about it. Let's just forget everything. Let's just start a podcast. If I'm going to start it today, I'll probably never start this podcast at all. And so I got on Amazon. I went to get myself a Blue Yeti microphone. And we got the thing rolling. Started writing down episode guidelines. Created a Twitter account. And lo and behold, it's almost 11 months to the day which I started recording my first episode of the Dead's Game podcast. 
and we have come a pretty far journey together. And shout out to everyone who has joined me ever since I first recorded the first episode. I'm not sure how you guys even found my podcast in the first place because it is really hard for a podcast to gain traction without any marketing, without any exposure, without people sharing what you have. And I'll say that the Legends of Runeterra community has been pretty supportive thus far, especially the ones from the Southeast Asia region, which are the players who I'm, based on my statistics, not a lot of players from Southeast Asia listen to my podcast. Majority of them come from North America and even Europe. And a, f- a couple of funny things is that I do notice that there are a couple of uh, Asi- Asian sites such as the Japanese and the Koreans are uh, tuning in as well. And shout out to you guys. As- shout out to you guys. Yeah. And we're going to talk about Guardians of the Ancient today. The brand new cards that are released together. When I first saw the uh, Guardians of the Ancient expansion name, I was thinking, this sounds like Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, that was something really funny that really hit onto me. And when it comes to Guardians of the Ancient, there are a couple of cards which uh, really piqued my interest. However, we all know that not every single card, not every card is created equally. There are some cards which are incredibly powerful, some are incredibly bad. And before I go in, de- in detail about the cards that are released in Guardians of the Ancient, I'd like to take this time to say there are a lot of things that need to be changed before Guardians of the Ancient is released together. Because we know that Whenever Riot releases a brand new expansion, there'll definitely come a time where they will also nerf or they will rebalance a couple of cards together. And like in my previous episode, I did mention about Atrocity together with the Watcher. Why those two cards need to get hit and various ways in which those two cards can be balanced to make sure that the, the it doesn't polarize or actually destroys every single other matchup. And really now that I think about it, there are really a couple of cards where it needs to get hit i mentioned time and time again about the Watcher, Atrocity. There's some pretty busted cards like Lee Sin in the meta as well. The overlying issues of Jam. And then we also have Deny. And we basically have a ton of cards which really need to be hit ASAP. There's some stuff like Great Beyond, Star Shaping. I think Star Shaping is in a pretty good spot. But some of the late game Targon cards. In fact, the only late game Targon card that really makes people infuriated is the Great Beyond. I think Great Beyond is one of the cards which really need to get hit. Because I'm a Targon player myself. I've been playing tons of ASO, tons of Zoe standalone decks, tons, tons of, tons of uh, Targon decks. And I can say that most of the game plan is very similar. You always want to wither your opponent down, outvalue them with all the Targon cards. But there's always a question of how to close out the game. Because if you do not have a Radiant Soul, Closing out the game as Targon is incredibly tough. But I know that you have Supernova, you have... What's that guy called? Cosmic Race. You have Falling Common, you have Twin Sisters. But that's the mid game. The late game is where it's at. And the way in which Targon closes out games is always a great beyond. And then that's a whole big reason why Invoke Atrocity was ever a thing. The Mountain Scryer package. The Targon package. Or why I say they are Targon package. Together with double copies of Atrocity, sometimes three copies of Atrocity, is the only reason why such a archetype can even work. And if you look across the board of tons of decks that play Atrocity, it's always a very similar one. Basically, stack up your creature, eventually play Atrocity onto a Nexus, and you just win the game. And this can be seen across Nasus Trash, Evil Atrocity, which I just mentioned, Feel the Rush, and the earlier version of Trundle Lissandra. 
without atrocity, a lot of decks will not work. Because overall, there's always a big issue of closing out games. And I believe that a lot of decks don't really have a problem closing out games. But atrocity is just an insanely good get-out-of-jail-free card. Because you're dealing damage to Nexus itself. Which is the big reason why aggro is even good in the first place. And now that I talk about the cards in which needs to get hit, let's just go into Guardians of the Ancient. Guardians of the Galaxy, if you guys want to have some memes. And so there are a couple of cards which... Okay, let's just start with the, the very first picture. Let's just go to my... Yeah, I actually have it saved up on my computer. The very first thing that was released were the Shurima new cards. And the Shurima new cards are cards that are tied together with the release of Zillion. Before I talk about Zillion, let's just talk about the cards that are released. It's all very related to Landmark Acceleration. Basically, fulfilling your Landmark Win Condition or your Landmark Countdown Effect. About two months ago, when I talked about the brand new cards that are being released in uh, Empires of the Ascended, I mentioned that I always have an issue with how Landmarks were played because before... Shurima was released, landmarks were just seen as a way to... They were basically a wing con. They stick on the board and they just do amazing things. But now with Zillion being released, together with... In the last season, it was uh, Azir being released. The way landmarks were played totally changed. It was no longer seen as something that sticks on the board forever for you to accumulate advantage to close out the game. It has become a way in which... You can just play like a unit, play like basically, you get what I mean. I give you an example of Frozen Troll. Another example is uh, the Preservatorium. Those two cards have countdowns, which they fulfill a certain effect. Which means that those cards don't really win you the game, if you get what I mean. They are not part of the overall winning strategy. They are just cards that you add in after a certain time, they fulfill and they just drop something. It is very different from the days of Grand Plaza, where you play Grand Plaza, and the Grand Plaza will just aid you all the way. It's like a permanent buff on the field. And that's something I want to say, which is landmarks were no longer permanent on the field. It became something which can be played like a unit. You can play it like a... What do you call that? Trafarian Glory Seeker? If he dies, whatever. It just feels like a very expendable unit. And the best part is that they release a brand new way of playing landmarks back-to-back, expansion to expansion. And that is a very big problem because you introduce a new way of playing your card and then you introduce a brand new way of playing that specific type of card one expansion later. That really changes a lot of things because I only believe that the introduction of landmarks being able to be countdown should be introduced around six months later or maybe a year after that because you need a way in which landmarks is given its identity. And people always mention that Ionia has lost its identity. And that is very true. Landmarks have also lost their identity. They're just a means to an end. They're just on the field, like a unit, and when the time passes, they're just gone. And when we look at it, Guardians of the Ancient, with the brand new release cards, such as the Zillion support package, it really adds into a whole new level how landmarks are supposed to be. Like, I can give you an example of the Sundis being the only card in which I just give a pass, because Sundis is actually your wing con. Every other landmark other than that doesn't really look like a wing con, especially in the context of Shurima. And when it comes to this, the, the brand new cards that are being released, the reason why I'm talking about the landmarks being played differently is because the Zillion package is 
basically a Mono Shurima hype package. Because when you look at all the cards, it's about advancing your landmark and all that, advancing one turn, everything. The only way I see this package being played properly is with Mono Shurima. Basically, the Emperor's deck. The big problem about Guardians of the Ancient, or the Zillion package, or the Mono Shurima package, or just Shurima in general, it is that it has terrible survival mechanics. You don't really have lifesteal, apart from Ruinous Path. And there's really not a lot of ways for you to interact with your opponent when the attack token is on their side. We look at Preservationist, the Clock Hand, Imagine Possibilities, and Time in the Bottle. Like, no, no, these cards are pretty good. They fulfill the Sun Disability of ramping up pretty quickly. But other than that, can you imagine if your Sun Disc gets destroyed? That was the whole point of playing all these cards, right? They really serve no purpose. And that's why I would say that no doubt this package can really be played elsewhere. But the whole Sun Disc thing might not actually work. Because it's so reliant on Sun Disc being on the board. If Sun Disc gets removed, then, you know, GG well played, you just lose the game. And Landmark Removal is very common. Scotch Turf, Diversion Path, Eat That Stairs. There are basically a lot of ways to remove Landmark on the board. And let's not forget about everyone's favorite Targon package, which is Supernova, Falling Comet, and the list goes on and on. And that's why I was a bit skeptical about the Zillion release cards, especially the Preservationist and the Clock Hand. No doubt those two cards are great, advancing landmarks by 3 rounds, creating instant sentries. And if you're not aware of the Clock Hand, I think that the Clock Hand is sleeper strong, because it is an 8 mana 4-7 body. I do know that when you hear 8 mana, you're thinking, oh my, oh my gosh, he's nuts. 8 mana, that's a late game. If by then your Sundays doesn't level up, then what's the point of playing this card in the first place? But I'm just trying to say is that, when you look at the clock hand, it is a solid stat line. And the instant sentry is pretty nuts as well. Because you can summon a landmark with countdown. It's a random one. It gives you two landmarks in the late game. Doesn't matter what you pair it with, it's always going to be useful. And advance the landmark for rounds. There's a chance that Sundays might still be on the board and you can advance it quickly. But really, it sounds very far-fetched. But the thing that I really want you to focus on, it is the summon a random landmark with countdown. Which means that in the late game, especially top decking a card like Clockhand, together with it being zero-cost instant sentry, is something which really is very powerful in terms of overall stat line. And I was prepared to give away Mono Shurima until the Zillion package got released in the form of the strongest card, I would say, in Shurima right now. This is something which, uh, you know, I think everybody knows what card I'm talking about. It's Soothsayer. I think Soothsayer is pretty insane. In terms of a stat line, 2 mana 1, 4. Like, no doubt this, this, this girl ain't gonna attack that much. But let's not forget about its summon effect, which is Grand Allied Champions and Landmark Spell Shield. And I think this is the first time in which Landmarks can be given Spell Shield. And Landmark's especially is insane, which means that your Landmark is probably going to stick on the board forever. And we know that Supernova, Falling Comet, Eat the Stairs, everything, they are very heavy Komito cards. Not every deck can play those cards without getting, you know, consistency issue. And consistency issue is the big reason why Targon is good, because you don't need to necessarily run Landmark removal. You can just invoke whatever you need anytime you want. 
and they can be played. Voila, easy. Easy game. And now with Soothsayer, it adds in two new layers of landmark removal, which means that Scorched Turf get directly removing your Sundis, your Grand Plaza, your... Yeah, basically you get what I mean. Removing your landmark is going to be tough. You need to mulligan it, you need to draw it. But now with Soothsayer, it means that you need, they need double copies of the Scorched Turf to deal with one landmark. And that's why I believe that in terms of overall stat line, Soothsayer is actually pretty insane. It has to be the strongest kind of Shurima as of now. And let's talk about Zillion. I think Zillion is huge. Because everybody looks at the level up effect. It's pretty easy to fulfill. It's a 2 mana 1 4, which means that Zillion is most probably going to stick on the board for a very, very, very long time. The time bomb in which it shuffles back into the deck, especially when you activate it and it countdowns and destroys everything. Guys, I can tell you that due to the time bomb, due to Zillion existing, Shurima is given a whole new leg of life. Shurima is now probably stronger than before. Mono Shurima can still be played because it's Soothsayer together with Zillion. But really, when I look at Time Bomb, I'm trying to think that this card is actually the ultimate aggro destroyer. Not only does it deal with the board, it also deals one damage to your opponent. And here's the thing about Time Bomb. I do believe that Zillion together with some form of PNZ is going to be pretty nutty. Because predict effects and the other cards that are being released later, which I'll talk about, really is a, adds a whole new layer to Shurima and really gives it a brand new identity. And let's not forget about the Zillion level up effect, which is create a fleeting copy of each non fleeting card that you saw you play last round. Okay, guys, this is the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about it. We all know how powerful Twister Fate Feast is, the infinite spell of Burgle Fish. And now I can say that with Zillion being released like this and his ability to control the board during the early game, with him able to do some form of burn during the early game with Time Bomb, which are basically free removal that are shuffling to the deck anytime they want. And then you draw, you activate it, boom, 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 you, you get what I mean. And now you add in PNZ together with the Mystic Shot, together with the, uh, basically you get what I mean, the Ballistic board, everything. Zillion levels up pretty quickly. Maybe by the time it's turn 4, turn 5, you can actually level up Zillion already. Because we don't know the predict effect. It can basically it's RNG reliant. We need to know which uh, time bomb we're going to draw. So realistically speaking, Zillion is going to level up on turn 4, turn 5. And time bomb together with... Uh, what's the card called? Talia can be duplicated. But really, this is not the way you're going to play Zillion, right? And that's why I think that Zillion together with uh, Bush Water is going to be huge. The infinite mind melt, infinite bubble fish, infinite draws. We all know that. Okay, guys. A lot of guys, a lot of you guys are not aware of this card called Loaded Dice. I'm telling you that Loaded Dice together is zillion. It's gonna be crazy. <laughs> because time bomb deals damage to the enemy nexus. And each time you play a zillion, you shuffle back time bombs to your deck. And Time Bomb together with Loaded Dice is going to be crazy. And then you add in the fact that Zillion can always create a fleeting copy of every non-fleeting card. Man. And then together with... Uh, <laughs> what's that card called? Pilfer Goods. Together with Yordle Grifter. Maybe Yordle Grifter not as much. I'll just say that uh, it's gonna just going to be... Uh, Pilfer Goods. The whole package Pilfer Goods with Time Bomb. Together with a 
<laughs> Loaded dice. It's gonna be pretty crazy. And that's not unless any the whole new layer of a Riptide Rex. Warning shot. <laughs> okay, I'm telling you, um, guys, I'm just gonna tell you that Zillion Bushwater is gonna be the craziest deck ever. This is, a, this is an idea which I was thinking about when I first saw Zillion because Time Bomb is crazy. Time Bomb activates <laughs> Plunder so easily. And let's not forget that there's gonna be a brand new whole suite of new Bilge Water cards. And Bone Skewer and Zillion is gonna be crazy because you can just save your Zillion every time you want. Shuffle Time Bombs, yada yada yada. Wow, guys. <laughs> This is going to be an insane meta. And let's not forget about the powerful combination of Zillion plus PNZ. P Zillion plus anything is going to be pretty crazy. And that's the thing. I think that Soothsayer is in a very good spot because it really aids Mono Shurima and makes it powerful. But I think Soothsayer at this point can be played in almost any deck. Any deck that includes Shurima because you give your Renekton spell shield. But maybe the fitting in a deck is going to be an issue. But if this card is way stronger than the card that creates Rolling Sands. What's it called? Rockhopper? Yeah, it's way stronger than Rockhopper due to its stat line. And Scrying Sands is also pretty powerful. Predict minus two. I can just say that Zillion together with uh, other cards is going to be very powerful. And Zillion Lee Sin can also be a potential threat because Lee Sin is going to get a lot of cards which are low cost. Gems, Guiding Touch, and all that. And so definitely, Zillion is the card to watch where we're moving to the next expansion. And I think Zillion is not overpowered. It is just... Okay, people are going to abuse the level up condition. And maybe by then, there will definitely be a nerf or something. Because as of now, I can just think Zillion plus Bruce Water is going to be the craziest deck on Earth. So let's talk about the next other cards, the variety day. Like I mentioned, Bone Skewer is going to be very powerful. Especially in a... Mid-rangey version, especially Turbo Sejuani. Turbo Sejuani is the big reason why Sejuani was even powerful in the first place. Gangplank. Basically, the deck revolves around leveling up Gangplank and Sejuani as soon as possible. And now with Bone Skewer, the ability of Strike and to, and to move something to the top of your deck. The real reason why I say Bone Skewer plus Zillion is very powerful is because Bone Skewer allows you to shuffle more time bombs and it saves your Zillion as well. I might be overthinking it, but Bone Skewer with play effects are also very powerful, such as Riptide Rex, such as the Drani. There are basically there are a lot of play cards that are strong. And Bone Skewer at an epic, and we all know that Bone Skewer comes from the uh, first skill of Pike. I can I can foresee that Pike is the next card is to be released, probably in two months' time. And that will definitely change the way that Huge Water is to be played. I think it's gonna be a deep deck. It's gonna buff up deep. And Monster Harpoon, man, guys. Monster Harpoon is crazy. 6 mana. Plunder, it'll cost 3 less. Become a 3 mana. Deal 5 to a unit. This card is... The, the card that is gonna bridge the gap between... Huge Water surviving the mid-game and every other deck. Huge Water has always been a deck where it suffers against... Decks which have very strong mid-game. And now with Monster Harpoon and your ability to get... Uh plunder very easily through the whole suite of different cards in the game. This card is going to be the clincher or the card that defines Bushwater again. Because like I mentioned, Bushwater really lacks mid-game removal. And Monster Harpoon really adds in a whole new level to the way Bushwater is to be played. 
and do expect Bridgewater to make a resurgence in the next expansion. And here's one thing, guys. I do know that first wave and last win, the wings and the wave, looks pretty good. But it's not that great at all. I don't think it is that powerful. Succumb to the goal is pretty bad. And here's the next best card in the game, Buried in Ice. I think Buried in Ice has to be the best card in Guardians of the Ancient. It is so damn powerful. Because Bushwater, no I mean uh, Fair Lord, has always been seen as a region where it's full of ramp, the removal can deal with white bots. But now Buried in Ice is basically Avalanche, Ice Shard, everything on steroids. It obliterates all the enemy to summon a Frozen Tomb in place. And this is crazy. Can you imagine this card against a control mirror? Most likely they don't have deny. You cast it once, everything turns into a frozen tomb. Which means that you have a free turn to just go all in and attack and win the game. And Buried in Ice is the sort of card where it can fit into any control deck because of the way that with the way that Fuel Lot runs. Heavy cards with crazy game breaking effects. And Buried in Ice together with What's the card called? Eat the stairs. It's gonna be the combo of the game. It sounds very crazy, but I can tell you guys it's gonna be a reality real soon. A lot of control decks really lack the way of dealing with uh dealing with the mirror match, dealing with uh, other control mirrors. Because when it comes to it, it's always gonna be a 20 to 0 attack, such as the Great Beyond plus Atrocity. But now with Barry in Ice, the whole new way of playing this game or the whole new way of control mirrors is gonna change. And I don't really like it. I think Barry and Ice is a sort of card where it looks pretty crazy. It's insane. I don't like the whole concept of Barry and Ice. I think it's it has to be hit real soon. Because I don't see how control mirrors are ever gonna are ever gonna be the same. Because Barry and Ice plus E Destest is gonna be the two-card combo which just closes out the game. And when control mirror comes to mind, I think TLC mirrors is, is incredibly toxic. And now in Bearing Eyes, it's really different, guys. And let's talk about the next few cards in the variety day. I think that Trashing Snapper is a very strong reputation enabler. It enables you on turn 1 to get 1 reputation stack. Because if your opponent doesn't block it, it's 5 damage. It's just 2 damage. If you block it, it's 5 damage. Trashing Snapper really destroys a lot of the uh, mid-range decks. Because if you block it, it becomes 5 damage. And not a lot of mid-range decks has the ability to do with Trashing Snapper. Torn of the Rose is also another big card. Torn of the Rose, together with Trashing Snapper, are two cards where if you don't run removal in PNZ, you don't run, don't run removal in Free Lord, they just get dumpstered by both of those cards. And that's why I say that Trashing Snapper is going to be a very powerful card moving into the next expansion. And I just noticed that a lot of the brand new cards are epic, which means that it's going to cost you guys a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of investment to actually unlock it. Because I don't know that the economy in Legends of Runeterra is pretty cheap. Like, like I just look at it, Adapt to Tron is 3000 is epic. CTR Lady of Cross is epic as well. Something is up. Okay, I do know the economy in the game is pretty easy to unlock everything you need. You just need to play every week, unlock the cards and voila, easy, easy game. And let's look at the next card, it's Chiran Sunwalker. I think Chiran Sunwalker, right, together with uh, Stalking Shadows, along with... Uh, What's that other card called? Wait, hold on. I, I did write it down. Let me look at the, the notes that I wrote down. 
Yeah, stocking shadows and iterative improvement is the big reason why I think Chirion Sunwalker is going to create a whole new version of a elusive PNZ decks. Because we know that Victor together with the elusive, if they high roll it with the uh, glorious evolution thing, they're going to get elusive and they just smack you every single turn. And there's nothing you can do about it. And I can say that with Zillion's release together with Chirion Sunwalker, you can duplicate Chirion Sunwalker and then you can basically make it become Sunwalk's pose. 2 mana 4-2, each time you attack, you deal 1 to the enemy nexus. And Chirion Sunwalker, right, it's going to be pretty insane, guys. It's going to be, I can say, second best card of the entire expansion. Because I can see it being transformed into Sunwalk's pose very quickly. You just need 2 copies, it turns into a 4-2, you attack, you deal 1 damage together. It is basically 10 damage in a card. Easy game. And the card which everyone is talking about is Sita Lady of Clouds. Okay guys. The only reason why I say Sita Lady of Clouds is going to be good is because of Targon the Masia. You know that Zoe Aso is a very powerful deck. And Sita Lady of Clouds is just going to be the card where it's going to turn Zoe Aso into a whole new crazy deck machine. Because CTI doubles everything, which means that when you drop CTI with ASO on the board, everything gets doubled. Or maybe you just drop CTI, you really have a board of dragons. Everything gets doubled as well. And let's not forget that when ASO comes down, especially if CTI is on the board before that or after that, it's just a level up from there. And two 10-10s on the board is GG. Challenger together with CTI is crazy. Crazy good. Wow, guys. I think that CTI is only powerful in the application. Because when you look at mid-range the master decks, they can't really fit in Cytia. The games don't go that long, and if they go that long, your press is going to lose the game instantly. The double the power, double the health is going to be huge, especially in ASO decks. And Cytia is going to be played in those decks as well. Like no doubt I do believe there's some form of playing ramp. You can play ramped, and then you play Rift-Driven Brawl to make Cytia become zero cost. But that's basically running so many support packages to make it work in the first place. And that's why I think that Zoe Aso is the only deck, or Shivana Aso is going to be the only deck that can play Sitia without compromising any other card in the deck. And that's all I have for the variety part. We're going to talk about Malphite first, but let me take a sip of water before we continue, because I've been talking for 30 minutes straight, non-stop. Yeah, boys, the microphone that I'm using can pick up sounds such as me drinking water. And that's a pretty good one. The Blue Yeti mic is pretty crazy. I think recording podcasts in the morning is something which I will do because my voice is more mellow, sounds more deep, sounds more serious. And you guys can actually feel my emotion when I talk about it. Okay, so let's talk about Targon new cards. Basically, the Melphite package. Guys, you know Melphite is very weird. Because we all know that Targon is the super late game region. But now together with the Malphite release, together with the Spiral Stairs, together with the Rock 4 Path, together with what Earth Elemental, Blue Sentinel, Crest of Insight, all that. Uh, Targon has a brand new image again. I think Targon's image has never really faded. It is a value region which creates a lot of the cards that you need to close out. The cards to stabilize the mid game. The cards to wreck everyone in the late game. And I can say that the one card which I really take notice of is Blue Sentinel, guys. Blue Sentinel is a 2-drop. It is a card where Last Breath summon a Crest of Insight. 
It's a slot of card where it sticks on the board, doesn't really get destroyed that easily. But Crest or Insight, oh my gosh, guys. Countdown 1, get an extra mana gem this round. And we always know, I've always been saying, mana gems, additional mana gems. It's gonna be crazy. It changes the game overall. Hypothetically speaking, when Blue Sentinel dies, you get a Crest or Insight on the board, right? It can be as early as turn 2, it can be early as turn 3. And the moment you count down 1, which is basically the next turn where Blue Sentinel dies, you go on turn 3, you have 4 mana. And on turn 4, you are 1 mana ahead of your opponent. Which means that you can either drop Sunforger to stabilize even more, to hit, and then yeah, you get lifesteal back. Or with 4 mana, you can do a whole suite of different stuff. You can play your invoke cards, you can play everything you need. And I can say that Crest of Insight is going to be... Together with Blue Sentinel, it's going to be auto-include in every single Targon deck, every single Targon mid-range deck. Because the additional mana gem is going to be the bridge between what wins you the game, what enables you to have a head start of your opponent. And yes, you get what I mean, right? You can drop Shivana early. Basically on turn 4, they are turn 3. They can't really deal with Shivana on turn 3 unless they have, what, Culling Strike? And not every deck has access to Noxious. And that's why I say that, wow, Blue Sentinel is going to be the Targon power card moving into the next expansion. And the other card, Spiral Stairs, Rockfall Path. I think Rockfall Path is... weird. Rockfall Path is going to be uh, not played as much. But some players might disagree with me, saying that Obliterate the weakest air enemy is pretty good. But it's a 2-mana countdown, and there's a lot of ways for your opponent to play around it. And so maybe I'll just keep my reservations on Rockfall Path and say that Man, maybe, maybe not, maybe not, no one played. But Spiral Stairs, Landmark, Countdown 3, create a Seed of Strength in hand. And by the way, if you're not aware, Seed of Strength is a focus slow. Grant and Ally Trust, 3 plus 2 and Overwhelm. Targon, together with Lee Sin, has always been seen as the be or end all. The only way of playing Lee Sin, which is together with a Zenith Blade. I don't think that Spiral Stairs will ever not be played at all, or it will even be included in this index because Zenith Blade is way more reliable. You can always get another copy with Daybreak, and then yeah, it's a plus one plus two buff which is gonna last throughout the entire game unless Lee Sin gets removed from the board. I will tell you and say that Spiral Stairs or the overall Targon landmarks are not that impressive at all. I do know that Seed of Strength together with Malphite is gonna be huge, but really. There needs to be a way to make Targon work together with Malphite. Because the the current way of playing Targon, such as the uh, late game insurance, the mid game stabilizer, is really good enough. And the way Malphite is going to be added in is pretty questionable. I don't think Malphite will be played as much. But let's look at the Malphite release day. Okay, Malphite release day just came out this morning, I believe. When I just woke up, the first thing I did was load up the Malphite thing to actually see what Malphite is. And I can say that Malphite is pretty... uh underwhelming. My initial thought was that Malphite is going to be very powerful, it's going to be like overwhelmed and all that. But the decision to give it tough, okay, I don't get it, it's made of stone. <laughs> yeah, it's made of stone, which means that it has to be tough, right? Malphite gives me a very Nautilus vibe, but it's not as powerful as Nautilus because Nautilus gets you the ability to drop a whole fleet of sea monsters easily. I know fleet that isn't a word to be used together with uh, sea monsters because they are not planes. But we look at Malphite, 7 mana 610 is a tough. That's all, that's his effect. Standard. We summon 3 plus mana of landmarks to level up. 
And when you level up, you become Malphite Tough, 7, 7, 11. 7, 11, guys. <laughs> when I'm summoned on level up, or round start, if you have the attack token, create an unstoppable, unstoppable force in hand. Unstoppable force is a 2 mana slow speed focus spell. Stun all enemies. No, it's not focus, it's a fleeting. Stun all enemies. Okay. The, the thing about Unstoppable first is that it's huge. Okay, let's just say that you're running a mid-game Targon strategy. You still need a way of finding up, finding a way to level up Malphite. And to end on the fact that Unstoppable Force is the sort of card where if you have a whole fleet of mid-game Targon cards on the board, which means that you easily can just go all in and just end the game instantly. But I can just tell you that Unstoppable Force Okay, that's a dream of Unstoppable Force plus Yasuo, but <laughs> that's never gonna happen, right? Targon plus, Targon plus Yasuo is gonna be incredibly inconsistent. Lack of draws. Heavy reliant on, uh, what's the card called? Return Stars through uh, Solari Priestess. Because when you look at Malphite, together with his level up condition, it's not gonna be easy to fulfill, man. Because when I look at all the landmarks, they're not great. They, are, they suck. For lack of a better word, they suck. Targon landmarks are not amazing. Maybe this... Okay, the only way I see Malphite is going to work... The only reason why Malphite is going to work is together with Shurima. Because Shurima has insanely powerful countdown cards. And I can see a way of Malphite being duplicated together with Talia. But really, apart from that... This thing of the landmarks where it can be played. I can see Malphite being played together with Shurima now. Because of the uh, Rockhopper. And when you look at the other cards in... Uh, the Malphite release package, such as those overwhelmed units. I can think that Malphite is going to be the game closing card together with Overwhelmed Shurima now. Or some form of Targon Shurima Overwhelm deck. Basically, you run three copies of Ruin, Ruin Runner, you run Rolling Sands. Yeah, you basically run the, uh, what's that card called? A uh, Rock Hopper. You generate Rolling Sands, and then that comes as a landmark, and then you play Preservatorium. But really, the, the clincher is the 12 plus mana of landmarks, which is going to be tough to fulfill. I can't really think of a way to make Malphite work, but the other, other than Shurima Malphite, I don't think there's any other landmark region which really plays into Malphite's strength. And that's why I say that overall, I still do think that Malphite is very powerful as a card. And the thing is that the application of landmarks for Targon is not great. Like I mentioned, that uh, the landmarks in Malphite, other than Targon's break, which is going to stay on the board for a very long time, it's not going to work. And I do get it, the unstoppable force is just going to be the uh, stun all, and then you guys go all in phase. But we know that the stunning package in Legends of Runeterra isn't that great. Because Yasuo stun package is bad. There's 0% chance of you actually having a full attack onto the Nexus, and then you having a cool moment just like that. It's, it ain't going to work that easily. I think the stun package is a good thing. It's only good with Aphelios because of Graviton. But really, I don't think that Malphite is going to be that playable because of the uh, level up condition of 12 plus mana or landmarks. It's going to be an all-in deck where you play tons of landmarks and then you drop Malphite and you really lose the game instantly. Let's look at the other card. Stonebreaker is so-so. If you summon 4 plus landmarks this game, deal 4 to an enemy and 2 to an enemy nexus. Okay, this really screams to me Targon Shurima. Basically, Malphite plus some landmark removal together with all the Overwhelm units. Other than this, I think Malphite is a whole new Targon image. A whole new Targon landmark because it's just a landmark. It looks like a landmark. The, the, oh, the underlying Targon 
package of the uh, invoking go the late game the ASO thing is still going to be better than running the Malphite version because other than the Shurumai application I don't think that Malphite is going to be that powerful because if Malphite had the overwhelm keyword it's going to be stronger but with tough this card ain't this card ain't it guys this card really ain't it I don't know Seed of Strength is going to be powerful to get that Malphite but what's the point you want to stun the whole board right yes you want to stun the whole board that was the point of having overwhelm Okay, so it's a very catch-22 kind of scenario. I can really see Malphite together with a Ruin Runner and then you do what Seed of Strength, you do Zenith Blade to make it more powerful. Okay guys, I think Zenith Blade plus Malphite might be quite powerful, but what's the whole point of doing that, right? You can just play Lee Sin, it's way better, way more consistent with the draws, with the removal, with D9 and Nopify. And so that's the thing to think about. I think Stonebreaker is huge together with uh, Overwhelm Shurima. Basically a new version, which is just running a... Uh, Targon and Shurima. I do think the support package of Overwhelm in Targon is quite powerful. And really apart from that, I think Malphite is weaker than Zillion overall. I think Zillion is the strongest champion in what's it, Guardians of the Ancient because Zillion really provides a, a lot of application. It can be played in a, in a whole new... Yeah, basically you can just run a, basically new strategies without really worrying too much about other stuff. Zillion together with the uh, what some work What's it called? Sunworker. No, the Chirion Sunworker. You can play be together with uh, the Bridgewater version, like I mentioned, the, with the Loaded Dice, together with Pilfer Goods and Black Market Merchant, making it... I keep stealing your cards and there's nothing you can do about it. And there's basically a whole new different ways of playing Zillion with other decks. It can be played with the Landmark version, it can be played with Combo versions, and I can say that Zillion is going to change the meta overall. But the big issue is that Watcher is still in the game, so it's all fun and games until Watcher hits you in the face, right? Until it makes you get zero cards to draw. And that's all I have for today's episode, guys. I'll be briefly covering other cards next week. Basically, I think that... What's the next card to release? I think Irelia, right? The Ionia cards are going to be released next week. Yes, and so next week I'll be joining with Moonboy Gaming. He'll be recording next week's episode with me together. Because I do want to introduce more guests to my podcast in the next few weeks. And so do look forward to that. And that's all I have for today. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Johanlok. You can follow me on Twitch as well. In all the links, everything is in the description box below. This podcast is also going to be available on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google, and any platform that has a podcast. My podcast will be there. And thank you guys for tuning in. Shout out to all of you. And I hope you guys enjoy the next expression together with me. And that's all I have for today. And that's game.